What's up, everyone? Welcome to another show of Keeping It Real. It's your boy, Kevin. It's your boy, John. John, my guy, what's up, man? How you living? Living well, man. Just sitting in this weird Detroit, Michigan rain. It's weird weather, man. Just just trying to tough it out. Man, I feel it, man. I don't know what's been happening. No, it's crazy. Like, this, these past few weeks, man, we just be getting dumped with rain, man. Messing up my vibe and everything, but hey. I say every day I'm blessed and highly favored, so it's good. I'm I'm glad to be here, man. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely rough, man. This uh, poor infrastructure, a lot of a lot of other stuff going on with the city. I really feel for people who are struggling with this, but but yeah, yeah, but yeah, man. We got we got a really really great topic, you know. This episode, uh, one of my favorite sports, talking about baseball, uh, specifically baseball in the black communities. You know, growing up. You know, I was a big baseball player myself. I had the opportunity to play in college a little bit. Uh, so, you know, baseball has definitely had a positive impact on my life, and it still does to this day. So, you know, I'm just excited to have this conversation, you know, and we got a really a really special guest, um, somebody I know personally. Uh, he's well-known throughout the state, you know, throughout the region, matter of fact, in the game of baseball. Uh, you say this guy's name, everybody, you know, everybody know this man. So he's definitely been around. Uh, so, you know, without further ado, we'd like to welcome my guy Aaron Wilson to the show. How you guys doing? Good, good. How you, how you living over there? I'm well. Appreciate you having me on. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, just to go over a little credentials for Miss Aaron, just a, a Trojan alum, you know, Henry Ford High School graduate, uh, was an All-American in high school, uh, went on to take his talents to Coppin State. Uh, HBCU played there, uh, you know, um, and now he's, like I said, he's still involved in the game. Uh, he's um, the director um, of scouting in Michigan for Prep Baseball Report. Uh, so he's doing that. Uh, so Aaron, yeah, so can you just uh, talk a little bit about, you know, how you got into the game? Uh, what was it that drew you into the game? And, you know, how has it made an impact on your life? Are we talking from the beginning or are we talking? As oh, yeah. From the, from the beginning up until this point right now? So from the beginning, it's like most baseball, honestly, is a family sport. So you're brought in by an uncle, a brother, a father, something like that. So my dad was coaching my brother's team. He's four years older. So having to go to the field every day just because that's what you did, you know, learned the game, picked up. So I started playing coach pitch when I was about six, started playing baseball when I was seven. Um, my favorite sport back then and still is to this day is basketball, but I'm not 6'5". So at the age of 13, I had to make the decision. Was I going to pursue the route of trying to play basketball at the next level or uh, take the route where a person my size could be um, <laughs> a factor? So I chose baseball. Um, baseball back then, although I'm not that – that old, but baseball back then was a lot different than it is now. Exposure videos just weren't the same. So I honestly went the, the uh, I guess you could say the more modern route now, and I pursued my own scholarship. I had the stats. I started recording my own videos when I was in high school, and I literally uh, had to beg my dad to get internet in the house. Got internet, created a, a Yahoo, 
and literally went on the internet, found every college coach in the country, an email video of myself, uh, documentation of myself. And that's how I got my college scholarships because it wasn't, you can just log on to Twitter or Facebook or anything back then. It was literally, you had to get a, a handheld camera, take it to a game and then, you know, just uh, copy up video and send it out. So that's how I got my start. And then if we're talking professionally, I had zero interest in ever doing baseball. So if you would ask me the same question 10 years ago, no way I'll tell you right now I'll be doing baseball. Um, I was actually forced to start coaching by my dad because he said, hey, you're a guy who went to college. Nobody around here went to college, honestly, from Detroit. You got to give back, make sure you're helping out the kids in the community. So I started giving back, started coaching. I went over to Herring Ford Community College. Uh, then I jumped into the summer ball route. Uh, college coaching is a whole nother topic. Um, it's very difficult to take that route and be able to live. So <laughs> went into the summer ball uh, route. Uh, my mentor was Roger Coriel, who was the head coach over at Eastern Michigan for 20 plus years, Hall of Fame coach, became a Ranger scout, passed a few years back, but he was the guy who got me into the scouting aspect of things and uh, started a travel program, started doing a little scouting, and here we are. Okay. Now, can you touch a little bit on, so are you still involved as far as scouting with the, the Rangers organization? Yep. I still work uh, closely with Chris Coleus, who's the uh, regional scout for Texas Rangers. So he covers Michigan, Ohio. So I work closely with Chris. So I'm still involved on that side of things. Okay. And then, so you were, the, you were also the director for the, the Detroit Arsenal RBI program. Right. Um, and that was what, how long did you do that? Like three, three years? So it started that in 2013. Um, we did that until 2015 and then we just branched off. Okay. Now, um, I want you to talk about your experience with, you know, the RBI program, you know, um, the reviving baseball in inner cities. Now, um, you know, I, I, I was a part of the RBI program and you were a part of it. So, you know, just talk about your experience, how it's trying to, you know, get that exposure in these community, in these uh, black communities and other communities that where baseball isn't a popular sport. So RBI was introduced to me when I was 16 years old. Actually, no, take it back. RBI was actually introduced to me when I was 14 years old, but none of us had a clue what RBI was at the time. So we all passed on playing in the regional, and it was actually the region. The World Series was held here in Detroit over at Jane Field. Not Jane Field. Yeah, Jane Field. It was held at Jane Field. They renovated the parks, everything, but none of us knew what RBI was, and at that time, if the World Series was held in your home city, you had an automatic bid. So right. uh, what was crazy was myself and about four other of the top players in Detroit, we all were just there watching because we had no interest in playing. So we're watching the World Series like, oh, this is kind of cool. Um, then I actually played RBI for the first time when I was 17 years old. Um, Good experience. You essentially you had opportunity to play inside professional stadiums. It was all expense paid, uh, nice vacation. And if you won your regional, you got to go to the World Series, which was also expense paid 
uh, trip. So you you were able to meet major league ball players, um, able to meet MLB front office personnel, things that we took for granted back then. Let I think more about now. You were making relationships as opposed to the baseball side of things. You were meeting people who you could potentially get jobs from later. Obviously, we didn't think like that as 17, 16, 18 year olds, but that's more so what the experience was. So when I came back, started coaching, I always looked at what was it about baseball that I didn't enjoy or what did I think we were lacking in the city? And I started my own RBI program in the city because I felt baseball was lacking certain things. And sometimes as the young guy, you're not really listened to. So you can express those thoughts to the guys who are in charge, but you have to wait your turn. So I didn't want to exactly wait my turn because who knows how long that turn was going to take. So I started my own program um, through the Detroit Arsenal uh, base out in Warren. So we were uh, funded through Selfridge. Uh, a lady by the name of Tanya Blatz helped fund our program, gave us opportunity, trusted us um, with the program. And we went on to go out of the three years I did RBI, we went to the World Series two out of three years. So we we're pretty successful. Okay. But the program itself, solid program, good opportunity for players who come from different backgrounds or who can't afford to play travel baseball. It gives them an opportunity to compete in tournaments, uh, play on a bigger stage. So it's just a good experience for me overall. Okay, nice. So um, you were you were an All-American uh, when you played. How was the level of competition in Detroit back then compared to now? So I don't I don't like to answer those type of questions because it's I hate to be that guy who goes back in my day it was great. So the competition honestly was different. I mean, but it all it all plays into what's going on now. Back when I was playing, when I was 10, 12 years old, you had the Renaissance League, you had the Bernie McCloskey League, you had the PAL, you had Think Detroit, and you had Orchards. They hadn't combined at this time. So what is called now is Think Detroit PAL was all different leagues. And then you also had your little leagues. So you had like Rosedale, Southwest Detroit, Northwest Detroit. So back then, essentially what I'm saying is there was a ton of baseball being played. You had a field. If you drove down the street in Detroit in the summer, baseball was being played. Nowadays, that's not the case. Everyone's running out. They're trying to play travel ball. You had to graduate to travel ball back then. So baseball now is it's in a slump in the city, but it's not dead, but it's definitely in a slump. Um, the biggest thing missing uh, now, as opposed to back then, is you have no coaches. The people who are my age, the people who are you guys' age, they're not coaching. They're playing softball or they're working at the plant or they're doing whatever they, they would choose to do. Whereas back then, you always had a ton of coaches. Even if you look in the PSL right now, which is where we all play, you know, in the PSL, Norm Taylor was coaching <laughs> when I was 10. He's still coaching. Mm-hmm. Leon McKissick was coaching when I was 10. He's still coaching. You're not getting that influx of new blood. So now that you're not, you aren't getting the new coaches, that's why your talent suffering. Because you're not getting, hey, Kevin went to play baseball in college, bring back that college um, knowledge. Aaron played baseball in college, bring back that college knowledge. They're still teaching what they were teaching when I was 10 years old. And that's no offense to those guys because I tip my hat to those guys. 
but it's up to guys our age to actually step up and that's where the void is. One of our fellow interns had a chance to interview his friend about blacks in baseball. Without further ado, take it away, Lamont. Hey, everyone. I'm Lamont. I'm the associate producer of Keeping It Real, and I'm here with my friend uh, from Detroit. And the question of the day is, why do you think the interest of baseball in young black communities have declined over the years? Um, me, personally, I just feel like um, baseball is kind of portrayed uh, as a, boring, a more boring sport, and social media um, takes a big part in that. Um, I'm on social media a lot, and I see a lot of football, exciting football and basketball posts, and I don't see a lot of um, exciting uh, Major League Baseball posts, especially not by um, African-American players. Um, they make the young, young youth, young African-American youth um, lean more towards football and basketball. So since you bring up social media, do you think it's very important? Like, does it play a very important part? Yes, most definitely. I feel like, you know, like commercials, um, ads, a lot of stuff, like if it catches somebody's eye, you know, that that wants to play, that wants to play sports past high school, um, I feel like that that does play a major part and it persuades them to play, um, you know, either baseball, football or basketball in the future. Okay. So what do you think baseball, what would make baseball more attractive to young black people? Um, I feel, first off, um, I watch baseball here and then. I don't see a lot of, you know, the percentage of African-American men that play baseball isn't, you know, at use, as what it, what it used to be. And I feel like um, really just just them and um, recruiting, it starts, it starts in high school, really, to be honest with you. Um, a lot of a lot of college recruits they don't recruit a lot of a lot of young black athletes. Um, I feel like football and basketball recruits. Um, it's really harder to get recruited for baseball um, than it is football and basketball in high school. So, yeah. All right, I appreciate you, uh, Demond. Back to Jonathan and Kevin. Yep, no problem. Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, I'm definitely glad that you know you were somebody that. You know, I connected with through the game of baseball. I know we had these conversations all the time. Um, and so I know, you know, through our conversations, you talked about, you know, doing things in the city to help like that exposure, bring that exposure back to the game. Um, so, you know, you so what, do you think there's like a, a misconception, you know, for the game of baseball in general and in like urban or you know, inner city communities? I wouldn't call it a misconception. I would say that there is a lack of education, but that also goes back to who's coming back and teaching it. Right. So if you're, if you're just unfamiliar with something, you go to what's familiar, what's comfortable. Basketball court is comfortable. We all play basketball. You don't need anyone with you to go play basketball. Either you can just grab a ball, go to the court, get your shots up or go dribble or whatever. Football, you can always find somebody open field. Let's go play, pick them up, mess them up you know, or let's go play a game. Baseball, you can't just show up at a field and say, I'm getting my work in by myself. You need a second person. Mm -hmm. So in the way baseball works, you kind of need a, a somewhat decent field if you're going to try to get a ground ball. And then let's factor in this thing called money. If I want to play basketball, I can go up to Walmart, whatever, 10, $10 $20, I got a ball. We're playing all year. 
football, same thing. You're playing all year. Baseball, not that simple. You need a glove. You need you don't have to have cleats. They will help. But you need a glove. You need a bat. And you need a ball. You're in the hundreds right there. So if you don't have anyone right there with you, it becomes economic. And that's another part of the game where it becomes economic. But we can touch on that later. But, uh, <laughs> those are things right there where – I don't think it's a misconception. I just think that the game is not being taught, whereas the game was always taught. It's no longer being taught. Okay, uh, Aaron, you're the you're currently the scouting director for for the prep baseball report in Michigan. Uh, okay. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and what your role is in that? So essentially, what prep baseball report is is a third party between. It's basically a liaison between the college and the high school prospect. So players come to showcases, playing tournaments, camps. We also cover high school games, meaning go out to scout the high school games. And our job is to get that coverage, that film, those write-ups to those college coaches where we have over 900-plus colleges subscribing to the website and help guys get to college, essentially. That's what it boils down to. So the job is help kids get to college. So I'm responsible for the entire state, meaning every kid who picks up a ball in Michigan. My job is to help those kids get to college, which fell right in line with what my mission in life was because I just wanted to help other people out because I didn't have to help. I didn't want a kid to have to go figure out how to work Yahoo and send a million tapes and things like that. So pretty much um, nowadays it becomes a lot easier you just come to an event, you get your videos, and then it's out to every coaching within a day. So that's pretty much what uh, Prep Baseball Report is. Now, if you if if you have something like PBR back when you were playing, would you would you would you think that you would have gone to to a you know, like a bigger school? Because I know you mentioned you had the stats. You know, you had the talent, obviously. Um, but, you know, you, you were pretty much saying you did it all by yourself. So if, if something like PBR was available, you know, for you back in the day, do you think that would have changed the route you took as far as college? For me, no. Personally, no. Uh, would it have gave me more exposure? Absolutely. But my college decision wasn't based upon anything but financial. So <laughs> it was based on who's going to give me the money where I can afford to go. So, I mean, you could say possibly I don't have any uh, – any gripes about where I decided to go. I mean, if you do hindsight 2020, I know a lot of people say the bigger school, but if I could go back, I wouldn't even went to a division one school. I would have went to a division two school uh, in South Carolina because about five or six of my teammates went there and I just would have went to school with those guys and played with guys I was familiar with and guys I knew. So I think a little bit different than most people where they go, well, yeah, I probably could have got a Michigan offer, a Michigan state offer or whatever, but I would have rather drop down, play D2, and just play with my boys. Okay. Now, can you talk about – I want to I take it back a little bit, um, going back to the Henry Ford days. So can you talk about, you know, like your fondest memories of just playing in the PSL during those times? Like what, what's a memory that always stands out to you from them, those days? So when I first got in the – um, it was way different. So I don't know if that was based on I was a freshman or I was young, but I always remember back to those freshman 
freshman uh, year days where the bat was just heavy. Seemed like we were facing 85 and up every game. But I played with a guy named Jimmy Walker, who to this day is still arguably, I'd say, the best guy I've ever played with. Um, State champs was covering our game against Renaissance, your, your old school. And Renaissance was, you know, the champs coming off their championship year, and they would have eventually went on to win that year as well. But they had a guy by the name of Chris Godley, um, a pitcher, who literally was a guy who never lost in the PSL. He went four years, never lost a game. So state champs comes to our game. They give me the ball. I'm pitching against these guys. I pitched a pretty good game. But the best memory was watching Jimmy just go yard on this guy who was supposed to be the greatest pitcher ever. And we're playing at WC3. And then later on that season, um, they created what was called the Negro League All-Star Game, which was during Negro League weekend down at Comerica. Jimmy wins the home run derby, gets to go against Craig Monroe and beats uh, Craig Monroe in the home run derby as well at uh, Comerica. So my best memory is not of myself. It's watching my teammate because that was the guy I looked up to. That's what's up. That's what's up. I like how you I like how you do it doing my alma mater up in there, you know. You gotta shout us shout us out. <laughs> Renaissance but, back then was uh they had a nice powerhouse um in the early two thousands. Okay. I can't remember. It's funny because I remember I umped with the guy that went to Renaissance and he said he played at Michigan State too, but I forgot his name. Um but he told me they they was like city champs. So I don't know if you played against them or not, but I can't remember his name. It's going to be maybe Jeff LaFavors, but it's going to be really – no, he went to Central. A person from the PSL that went to Michigan State is not going to be likely because the Big Ten didn't have too many minorities until the last 10 years. Okay. Okay. But, yeah, I I really can't remember his name, but it is what it is. So so do you you have – I know I know you you probably do, but do you have any plans to like put something in place to increase the exposure in the city or or create anything to help, you know, people that look like us gravitate to the sport? So over the past five years, I've always done donations. I don't really do any of the social media stuff because that's not the purpose of the donations. Uh, the purpose is to get back. So. I'm not feeling like my donations are making much of a difference. So <laughs> it's just me donating money. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big firm believer in me and Norm Taylor talk about it all the time. If you can't donate your money, donate your time. And you don't have time, donate some money. So I always donate the money because I don't usually have the time. But I'll get out there when I have the time. So my plan next year, instead of just donating money, is to make the time. I want to do like a big free um, showcase for the inner city and I'm just going to reach out to each school in the inner city say hey send me your college prospects I don't want your whole team because your whole team is not a college prospect let's just be real but send me uh, your college prospect we do a free showcase for those guys let's help guys who can't afford to come to showcases get that type of exposure and then I'll also be I'm also working on a youth camp completely free youth camp uh, because in reality, like I said earlier, when I was coming up, you had millions of leagues. You don't have those anymore. So how do we get the fundamentals taught to these players and help them help them have the interest in baseball before it's too late? Because as you know, you can't pick up a bat at 14 and then you're going to be successful in baseball. You can do it in basketball if you're athletic or football if you're athletic, but 
baseball is not based on athleticism. It's based on skill. So you pick up a ball and try to throw it and kids are throwing 90 at that age, you're going to quit. So I'm going to do a youth camp, 12U and under, just to help guys just get back into the game, have some fun, order some pizza, have guys throw at a radar gun, things of that nature. Make it take it back to when it was fun, where everyone wasn't in it for just, hey, I'm trying to win a trophy. That doesn't matter. So have like lunch, radar guns, prizes, things of that nature, and just just get it all done. And it'll be fully funded by myself because the hardest part in this game is getting funding and it gets frustrating when you ask them for handouts. So I just do it myself. Yeah, that big the big word you said to me that stood out was fun. Like I feel like like you said, people are in it for all the wrong reasons. But like if you're not having fun while you're doing it, like what's the what's the point for real? Like I think like like when I was growing up you know, um, playing with the tribal team that was playing. like we was actually having fun, like going out to these tribal tournaments, playing against, you know, people who weren't looking like us and we was competing and beating them. Like, but at the same time, like we was actually having fun and we was being taught the game. So like you said at the beginning, that like there's no coaches actually like teaching the game to these kids that actually make them want to pursue the sport even more. And like you said, you picking up a bat, at like 14, not even 14, even if it's 12 or uh, 10 maybe, and you you failing, you failing, uh, they going to want to quit because baseball is a game of failure. You're going to fail mo- more times than you succeed in this sport. And I feel like people that look like us, they don't, they don't want to fail. So they gravitate to us, like you said, what's easier to them, like the basketball, the football, things like that. So, yeah, I definitely just wanted to, to touch on touch on that for sure. Um, you got to remember at a at a PSL baseball game, you're not gonna have any fans except your parents or maybe right. your girlfriend or a couple of your boys may show up for an inning or two. Whereas you go to a, I mean, I went to four, so you go to a referee for a basketball game. You have to buy tickets before. Exactly. You know, football is the same way. You got to buy tickets, you know, well in advance. And baseball, they can't give away the ticket if it were one. So, you know, when you talk about walking throughout your, your school hallways, it's not really that popular to say, oh, I'm on the baseball team. So that's another thing that, that steers guys away because a lot of people do sports for the wrong reasons. So, hey, you get this attention, that attention. If I'm on a football team, I'm grabbing this type of attention. I'm grabbing this type of attention on a basketball team, whereas the baseball team is like, oh, where's he? Where's the baseball field at? Exactly. Exactly, for sure. And I also wanted you to touch on what you did, uh, was it two years ago, with the uh, the PSL award you you put in place? Can you touch on that a little bit? So that was something uh, that was in the works for years. So essentially what you're referring to is uh, I sponsored the Mr. PSL and Miss PSL award for the top uh, athlete in both respective sports, so softball and baseball. So that was in the works for years, honestly. Um, I started working on that in 2015, but I can never get the approval, which is that's neither here nor there. But the PSL would not approve the award. So I had to go through a lot of hoops, you know, but eventually uh, Alvin Ward, who was the head of the PSL at the time, he approved it all, said, Aaron, hey, you want to make it happen? Let's make it happen. It was his last year. So it was like his farewell, farewell gift. But um, I put together a – I didn't pick the winner. I had no – I didn't care who won. 
my whole thing behind it was when I was coming up, I remember going in 2003, Calvin Wooten won Mr. Basketball in the PSL, well, Mr. PSL, which was the best basketball player. He got a trophy that was like as tall as him. Dude's like six foot, you know, in football, you get a Mr. PSL. They get a big banquet, things of that nature. And I go, I always ask people, I say, you say y'all want baseball in the city, mm-hmm. but you're literally showing you don't care about baseball in the city. Everybody else gets an award, track, base, basketball, football, you name it. They all had an award. So I said, can we get an award for baseball? I'll pay for it. So Alvin, uh, Mr. Ward approved it. We finally got that going. Unfortunately, it was a one-year deal. The next year was COVID, and hopefully we can keep it rolling. But uh, the school was awarded a trophy for the player to take home. And then there's also a huge trophy that's supposed to go around from school to school for the winner each year. So it stays at Renaissance the year Kevin wins it. And then the next year, if I win it, it goes to Henry Ford. But the actual recipient of the trophy has their own trophy as well. But I did it for both baseball and softball because while we're discussing baseball, softball is uh, neglected way more than baseball is as well. So um, <laughs> that's a whole nother topic in itself. But those are two sports that are completely neglected. So I'm going I'm not going to sponsor an award and say, forget the girls. So and it was actually pretty fortunate because Andrew Hill, who's the known umpire around the city, his daughter won the award. So. It was nice to uh, have that done. She went down to FAMU, I believe. Okay. Uh, that's good, man. Good. Okay, nice. Uh, winding down, uh, Aaron, this segment is called Our Quick Hitters, where um ask you a question and you just, just, just say the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? All right, let's get it. All right, number one, who are your top five black players in the MLB right now in no particular order? So that's uh, tough because there's not a lot of black baseball players in MLB. So I'm going to give you my favorite one, which is Tim Anderson. Um, yeah. I like Aaron Judge. I like uh, John Carlos Stanton. But I'll just stick with Tim Anderson because it's not too many who are my favorites. So I'm going to just go with Tim. Okay, yeah, yeah. Tim's good. I, I like the swagger that he brings uh, to the game. It's, it it kind of sucks that he's under Tony Larusa, the party pooper, but uh, but it's it's really cool that the swag that Tim brings. Tim is what you need in the game of baseball because he's having fun. He exactly. he's having fun, and that's the stuff we came up doing. I mean, the PSL, you knew you were going to certain hostile environments. Guys gonna talk crap, and you just gonna have to ball. And if you don't ball, you're gonna hear about it. So. <laughs> I like that. I came up in that type of environment. I played in many different environments, but that's fun. You know, it wasn't malicious. It's just fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, number two, who is the best player that you played against in high school? Well, I think he already, well. No, he was my teammate. Okay. Best player in high school. Now, are we talking about in Detroit or are we talking about period? I'll go with Detroit. If we're talking Detroit, the best – I'm going to go with two guys. So one was a teammate of mine in the summer, uh, Tony Hines. Went to Mumford, uh, was, went over to Wayne State, broke records, went over to Macomb Community College, broke records. It's ridiculous that he was not recruited, but he showed how good he was. Um, and he's actually a guy you guys should get on here because he had a, had a um, medical disorder and just – 
he was unable to play baseball anymore, changed the way his body looked, everything. But when you're talking about the best hitter I've seen, we went down to Tennessee for a tournament. Something was wrong with his arm. Dude hit a home run with one arm. So <laughs> this is no joke. So uh, Tony Hines from Mumford, he graduated in 2004. Um, and then also the other player I would say would be Leonard Ford, uh, also an 04 graduate from over 05. Graduate over at Southwestern, big kid, about 225 pounds back then um, through 90. He played for Leon McKissick, which was your coach uh, over at Southwestern. They won the city title that year, but he had bombs through about 90, end up signing with Southern. So those two would be my my guys, uh, toughest opponents I faced because Tony went, took me deep a couple of times oh. with no fences. So just think about how far <laughs> All right, Tony Hines, for sure, for sure. All right, last one. Uh, your favorite to win the World Series this year? I'm going with the uh, Padres. They got the brown and gold. Uh, so yeah, I've been rocking brown and gold for a long time now. So I'm going to roll with the Padres. Plus, I like Machado. I like uh, Tatis. They got a lot going on over there. Cronenworth from Michigan. So I'm going to mm-hmm. roll with the Padres. And okay, now you, who you got uh, them facing off against? I would like to say the Yankees. Yanks struggling right now. What's... Yeah, the Yankees are terrible right now. But <laughs> the second half of the season's getting started. They are the Yankees, so, I mean, it's hard to count them out. But I would like to say the Yankees, but in reality, I would go with the Astros if I had to pick. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, well, Aaron, man, we definitely appreciate the time, you know, having this conversation with us. Uh, you know, you know, you have a lot of experience in the game. Um, so yeah, we definitely appreciate you just chopping it up with us, uh, keeping it real, man. Oh, yeah, no problem. Appreciate you having me. All right. No doubt. Thanks for being here. Yeah, so, mom, did John, did you did you happen to catch the All-Star game? No, I, I actually didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. It came on, uh, was that Thursday evening? I don't even remember what I was doing, but I, yeah. I, I didn't watch it. <laughs> So yeah, I missed it too. But one thing I did did like was the the number of you know black players who were either selected to the game or um, or who actually played in the game. Because you know we already know that you know there's not too many brothers playing the game as is. So just to see you know these these players that look like us playing at a high level and getting that recognition, man, was definitely. It was definitely a good thing to see. So let's 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 run down these players, you know, to see who who all was was selected to the game or either was added as a replacement um, and played in the game. So we got first first all we got Marcus Simeon or Marcus Simeon uh, from Toronto Blue Jays uh, infielder. Then we got Aaron Judge outfielder from the New York Yankees. Six eight outfielder man. Boy is a is a is a monster. <laughs> Climbing walls. <laughs> got my guy Tim Anderson out there in, in Chi Town. He was a he was actually um added as a replacement, um, playing for the White Sox. Then uh Michael Brantley, he's Michael Brantley, he's been like going off at the plate for the Houston Astros. Yeah, he so he, he touches everything. Yeah, he, he definitely been balling. He actually opted out, so he didn't participate in the all star game. And you got you got you got Cedric Mullins up there in Baltimore, Baltimore Orioles, 
outfielder. Uh, he like he, he's he's been making a name for himself since the beginning of the season. So mm-hmm. he's definitely been tearing it up. Then Mookie Betts, uh, you know, pretty much everybody know about Mookie. Oh yeah, um, over there in LA with the Dodgers, he also opted out. And then the last one was Taiwan Walker. Um, he was added as a replacement for the, the pitcher for the New York Mets. So he was actually Walker was actually the only pitcher, um, like the black pitcher selected to the game. So like and he, he was he was actually signed as a free agent in the offseason by the Mets. So they definitely, definitely made a good good signing with Walker because he's been balling too. So yeah, it's just good, you know, to to see all those all those players. Um, so, you know, is there, is there a player that sticks out to you, you know, from that list or somebody that catches you, that's been catching your eye either this season or previous seasons? Yeah. Uh, I would have to say Tim Anderson. Uh, I think I first saw him, I, w- I want to say like two years ago, uh, I, s- I saw him with the White Sox. They weren't winning, but to me, he was sticking out like a, like a diamond in the rough. Uh, I just saw everything that he brings to the game, you know, like that swagger, uh, like that, that attention, that that you know, like that that, that braggadocious, that braggadociousness. If even if that's a word or not, but like I just, but yeah, I, I was just able to look at Tim. I was like, I was like, man, like this, this is really what baseball needs. Like, like that flashy, that that flashiness, and you're starting to see it with other players, like uh, Fernando Tatis. They got that chain that they got if you if you hit a home run or something like that. It's just, it's just like like little stuff like that. Um, I think. Tim Tim brings to the game, but on top of that, like he, he he got the numbers to back it up too. Exactly. Like he's yeah he's he's having a pretty good having another pretty good season. And uh, I think I think Chicago got a bright future with Tim Anderson there and, and a few few other pieces that they have. Oh yeah, I de- yeah I definitely gotta agree with you, Tim Anderson. Definitely been a player I've been following um, recently. Um, like you said, yeah that that swag he just brings. Uh, he, he he out there having fun too, man. That's like the biggest biggest thing most important thing is having fun don't matter how old you are young old you know a little league player mlb player if you have fun man you can't beat that man. and that's something we see with anderson like day in and day out like he, he he'll have fun every time he steps on that field he's gonna give it you know he's gonna give it his all too when he steps out there too so uh yeah i also have to agree with anderson but yeah i mean all all the players we mentioned were selected uh have definitely been doing their thing this year and you know we just want to hope that they can continue to keep that success up throughout the rest of the season because this is what this is what we need we need to see you know these players having the success uh, especially the younger generation so definitely a good thing to see yeah no doubt i just wish mlb knew how to market their stars better <laughs> but well, yeah that's a that's another story that's another story for another day but all right, that's going to be a wrap for this episode of Keeping It Real. Y'all can catch us on YouTube and Spotify. Type in Be More Radio or Keeping It Real. And uh, our stuff should pop up. We'll catch you in the next episode.